Hello. So glad you can be here. I am so excited. This is the very first episode of the What's Going On Up There podcast, a conversation between me and my mind. Thanks for being here. This is going to be so awesome. Well, I, ho- I hope it's awesome. It's the first episode. So honestly, we'll see. We'll see how it goes. But no, I'm just so glad you found the episode. I'm glad that you're listening to it. Thanks for taking time out of your day to join me. Yeah, let's get into it. So my name is Gretchen. This is my podcast. I created this podcast. It's been a long time coming. Um, Every time I tried to record the first episode, I swear something always went wrong. There have been so many setbacks, but I persevere. I always persevere for you guys. So that, that should be an indication that you should listen to the podcast and think it's awesome because I think it's awesome. Well, I hope it's awesome. Again, first episode. So we'll see how it goes. But before we get too far into anything, this is a mental health focused podcast. So I want to offer a warning, disclaimer, whatever you want to call it at the beginning of every episode so that you know, you know what you're getting yourself into and just to just to let you know about some things. So I'll do that now. This is a mental health focused podcast and some topics and experiences discussed may be triggering or upsetting for some listeners. I try to put the main topics discussed in each episode in the show description. Please check for any potential triggers and of course make sure to protect your peace and skip parts of the episode or skip the episode altogether if it may upset you. While I try to list all the potential triggers, I am human and I may miss something, so if you're feeling on the fence about the episode, please make sure to err on the side of caution. Also, I am not a medical or mental health professional. I am just a person with lived experience who would like to share my journey and advice to help others feel less alone. If you are struggling with your mental health or are actively in crisis, I strongly urge you to reach out to a professional for help. The suicide hotline number in America is 988. Okay, let's let's get into the bulk of the podcast now. Like I said, my name is Gretchen and I'm so excited that you can be here. So this podcast is my mental health podcast. It's a compilation of my experiences, my advice, my just everything about what I've gone through with my mental health in order to help you on your journey. And my journey is is far from over, but as I go, I hope we can do this together. And I'm here for you. I want you to know that you're not alone. And while discussing what I've been through in this podcast, I hope that you can find some some relatability or just know that that whatever you're struggling with, it's it's hard to go through it, but you're not having to do it alone. I want you to feel like this podcast can be a a support system for you. That's that's what my goal for this podcast is. But this podcast, like I made this podcast, but you don't you don't know me or maybe you do. If you do know me, thanks thanks for joining in. Thanks for listening to me. You might learn some things about me that you didn't know. But for anyone who doesn't know me, this is exciting because it's the first episode and what I want to do is just a little get to know me episode. I'll I'll tell you some things about myself, share some stuff about my journey so that you can see, you can decide if I'm a credible person or not. Personally, I think I'm a credible person because... Well, it's my podcast, so <laughs> so of course I'm going to think I'm credible. But when I share share my experiences, you can decide if you think I'll be relatable or not. But yeah, let me just, I want to share, it is mental health focused, but not everything needs to be so doom and gloom or serious. So I'll share, let's, let's just do some get to know me stuff. Yeah, so exciting. Uh, my name is Gretchen. Like I said, I am 19 years old and I live in America. I live on the East Coast and I am technically a student in university, but I am not currently at university or enrolled in classes. And I will jump into that a little bit later. It is, it's, it's a little complicated, but that's, it's fine. It's fine. It's going to be great. You'll, you'll understand. (laughs) 
But if first, what I want to mention is the podcast cover. I hope you guys like the podcast cover. I spent weeks trying to make this podcast cover and so much stuff happened with the podcast cover. I thought I lost it at one point. I thought I was never going to get it back. I was crying so much, but I have it here. And personally, I think it's perfect because it has my cat, George. George is the podcast mascot. He is my little babes. I love him so much. He is a rescue cat, but he's also a therapy cat, and he's just the sweetest. All he does, he sleeps on my bed all day, and occasionally he'll get up to look out the window to yell at some birds, and he'll eat, and he'll sleep, and he loves to cuddle. He's just the cutest. Anyone who knows me knows how much I love George. I talk about him nonstop. If you follow the podcast Instagram page, which I'll link in the description, I think you definitely should because there will be so much George content. He is he is the mascot. He is an icon. He's a legend. If you don't like black cats, hopefully I can change your mind, but that's okay. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but personally, I think George is the best. So, <laughs> So there's that. Um, and the picture of the podcast cover, it is a picture of me holding George. So that's, I drew it. It's a drawing of myself. That's kind of what I look like. I definitely, I have eyes and a nose not shown in the drawing, but they're there in person. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I think, I think it's a great cover. And oh, anyway, enough about that. Let's, let's, let's talk about me, my favorite subject, me. Let's, let's do it. So, like I said, 19-year-old female living in America, kind of in university, kind of not in university. Life's kind of up in the air right now. We'll talk about it more when we get further down into the episode. But who am I? What what am I what am I like? I think I'm a pretty funny person. I I think that's hopefully it comes through in the podcast. Some of my hobbies, I really like to knit. I love learning different languages. I I know a good amount of German, and I've been to Germany a few times, and the Germans always tell me, oh, your German is so good. Except they don't, well, sometimes they say it in English, because that's that's Germans. <laughs> but that's that's what I like to do with my free time. That's what I've been doing while being home, and of course, working on the podcast, I also like to listen to music. I'm recording this on February 5th, and the Grammys were last night. Last night was Sunday, and I am a huge Taylor Swift fan. I don't know if anyone out there, I'm sure someone listening is also a Taylor Swift fan. I, I love Taylor Swift. I've always loved Taylor Swift. She was my first concert, 1989, Woo, all the way back in like fourth grade, fifth grade. It's been a while. I went to the Eras tour. I absolutely love her. I think she's a great person and her music is fantastic to me. So I was thrilled to hear that she's releasing a new album, The Tortured Poets Department. Oh, I love the name. It's so different. I'm excited to see what it's about. April, hopefully April comes soon. Actually, Puxatani Phil, for anyone who doesn't live in America or just doesn't know, Puxatani Phil is a, I think he's a gopher, maybe. A ground no, he's a groundhog. It's Groundhog Day. Yeah, he's a groundhog. He lives in uh, Phil, not Philadelphia. He lives in Pennsylvania, and every Groundhog Day they lift him out of his hole, hole in the ground, and they see if he can see his shadow or not. And if he can see his shadow, it means I think it means there's going to be more winter. And if he doesn't, it means it's going to be an early spring or maybe it's vice versa. But either way, he said that it's going to be an early spring. So hopefully spring can come soon and we can get that new Taylor Swift album and it'll be sunnier. There'll be flowers, less seasonal depression. That's always great. Anyway, what was I? Oh yeah, Taylor Swift. So excited to see her new album come out. She made history, actually. The only person to win best album of the year four times. So good for her. She's she's really crushing it right now. I was a little disappointed that we didn't get Reputation Taylor's version, but it's okay. It'll it'll come eventually, hopefully. Anyway, enough about Taylor Swift. Back to Gretchen, our favorite topic. And at the beginning of every episode, I have a little plastic fish bowl that I got off Amazon 
last June, and I decorated it, and I filled it with a bunch of different tasks over the summer. But now I've emptied it out, and I filled it with 100 questions of Gretchen. So this this next segment coming up, drumroll please, it's 100 questions of Gretchen! Woo! So these are just random questions that me and ChatGTP came up with <laughs> to, gotta give credit where it's due, came up with to let you know some stuff about me. You know, it's kind of, there's some of them are random, some of them make sense, but either way, whatever the question is, you'll definitely learn something about me. So here we go. I'll answer two of them at the beginning of every episode. Gotta pick them out. That one, that's one. Here's two. All right, let me open up the first one. Okay, the first one says, would you rather live in the times of the dinosaurs as a dinosaur or in the future as an alien? Ooh, this is a tricky question. I'd say I'd probably want to live as an alien because I think definitely all the dinosaurs did die and that sucks for them. So, but aliens, they get to live in outer space. That's pretty cool. They, I picture an alien is like green and it has cool little antenna things. And I, aliens to me are always happy. They just seem like genuinely happy creatures, maybe because they're not living on earth, but <laughs> space is, I think space is super cool. Aliens, aliens are definitely going to come and dominate our planet one day, but that's, that's a future problem. And maybe the aliens are super nice and they'll give us like all these cool things from their planet in outer space. Or maybe if you've ever, I'm a Marvel fan. If you've ever seen Guardians of the Galaxy, I I think that all of those, the different living, they're not people, but the different like technically like people like creatures that live on different planets. I think those are aliens in my mind. So maybe that's what aliens actually look like. If you haven't seen Guardians of the Galaxy, the first two are really funny. I was not a fan of the third one. I thought it was really sad. And I actually, I saw the third one like the day after I got out of residential treatment. And it's so sad. It was not what I needed to see. <laughs> so if you're in the mood for like a lighthearted, funny movie, don't watch that. It's Guardians of the Galaxy and they're super funny. So I thought it was going to be great, but no, it was a tragic backstory of Rocket. He's the raccoon. And oh my God, it was so sad. Not, not the classic funny Guardians of the Galaxy. Anyway, we're getting off topic, but alien, definitely alien. All right, here's the next one. Okay. Ooh. Would you rather get rid of music or movies? Oh, that's interesting. I was just talking about the Grammys and Guardians of the Galaxy. Hmm. This is tricky because there's so much music in movies, but I, I love music. I was a very musical kid. I played the piano, played the clarinet, played the viola at one point. I was in chorus. I was a very musical kid. I loved making music, but I was also a theater kid when I was really young. I did lots of plays, lots of musicals, though. Musicals have a lot of music, and I love musicals. But, mm, I thought for sure I was going to be an actor when I grew up, and I have a mini, like a mini Oscar statue that I gave out at my maybe ninth birthday party. Everyone got one and I loved it. I love, I love acting, but I also love music. Oh, I feel like movies wouldn't be the same without music though. <sighs> That's a tricky one. Oh, but if we get rid of music, we get rid of Taylor Swift. But if we get rid of movies, we get rid of Barbie. Oh, this is, this is really tricky. What do you guys think? Think about, think about this question. Answer it for yourselves. Maybe leave a comment. Maybe, maybe start an argument with one of your friends about this. I think, oh, this is so tricky. I think for right now, I would have to get rid of maybe movies. Oh, that's so, that's so tough. It's really such a hard decision. Although I think music is so great or detrimental to mental health. But I'll, I'll, maybe I'll make an episode about that, about music and mental health. There's just so many, there's such great music out there right now, and the Oscars are coming up. I love, I try and watch all the nominated movies for the Oscars so that I can 
decide like, oh, like they deserve to win or mm, that was a major snub. Like they didn't deserve that. That's what I try and watch all the movies for the Oscars. And I'm I'm not very far in. I did watch Past Lives the other day. And if you want to watch Past Lives, I'm it's such a beautiful movie. But if you are if you just got out of a relationship or if you are about to break up with someone or maybe you're in a situation ship and you don't know how it's going to end past lives might not be the best movie for you but i thought it was super sweet i loved it anyway i have i have no idea where we where we were going with that anyway those so those are the questions of gretchen i hope you enjoyed that little rant that i just went on for like five minutes but back to back to the important topics of this episode which is my journey so I want to let's just jump into my journey I have a little bulleted list here to keep me on task because if (laughs) if you can see I, I get off topic very easily So my mental health journey, I want to say it probably started when I was like seven years old and I started therapy for the first time. When I was a little kid, I hated therapy. I thought it was so boring. I hated answering the questions. I hated going. And as a little kid, it's definitely difficult to sit there and think about your feelings and sit in like a dark office with someone that you don't really know and just talk when you want to be like playing with your friends or playing with your toys. I was a big American girl, Barbie, Lego kid. And therapy was just not it for me. I hated it as a kid, but I was in and out of it for all of all of my life now. I'm I'm 19 now and I'm still in therapy. And over the years, I've definitely learned to love it. And I'm very grateful that I'm in a place that I can, that I have access to great therapists and great therapy. And it's definitely helped me so much. And I feel really privileged to have these opportunities to go to therapy. I know not everyone gets this opportunity. But as a kid, it was definitely difficult for me. And I know if if you're a if you're a kid right now and you're listening to this, this might not be the most appropriate podcast for you. So you might want to you might want to ask your parents about this podcast, but if you're a teenager or an adult like me, then if you were in therapy as a kid, you probably can relate to what I'm talking about. It's just it's boring. It's boring as a kid. It's not fun and you don't want to dig deep as a kid. You just want to you just want to you want to play. You want to be a kid. You want to run around. So as it was it was difficult to start a mental health journey at such a young age and especially getting into my middle school years I would get embarrassed if people asked me where I was if I had to miss school for a therapy session or a psych, like a psychologist appointment I I didn't want people to know and that's a very real fear I feel people can be it's it's valid to feel afraid to let others know that you're struggling with your mental health or that you have to go to therapy. And if you're in that position in your life, I see you. I believe I believe the struggle is real. I was there. And over the years, I'm glad that the societal conversation has shifted to being more open to talking about mental health, but it's still such a vulnerable subject for people to touch on and Um, Hopefully this podcast can inspire you to be more open with maybe at least just the people you love about your mental health. But I know it's, it is, it's scary to, I mean, take it from me. Like I'm talking about my mental health to complete strangers online. It's scary. I'm scared to do this, but the reward is that I might be able to help someone. And even if I just help one person, that would be incredible for me. But yeah, I started therapy at a very young age and I I don't know if I mentioned this, but I'm on the East Coast right now. I live in America on the East Coast and I grew up mostly on the East Coast, but I did move to the South when I was in eighth grade. So that would have been 13 years old. And I had lived in the South before when I was two. I lived there for two years and then I moved back to the East Coast, and then when I was 13, I moved to the South again with my family, and we were there for 
two years up until like the summer of 2020. And during that time, middle school is very difficult. I believe it's it's definitely the three of the more difficult years in of schooling. And to move at the very end of that time where people have already set up their major friend groups or have solid understanding of who's who, like who's the popular one, who's the sports one. Although personally, I feel like like a like a click like that or like a label. You don't need to label yourself like, oh, I'm the sports one. Like I have to be all about sports. It's okay to like other things. But still, moving at at an age like that, where everyone everyone's like very worried about their image, I would say, or worried about what other people think of them. At least I was very worried about what other people thought of me, and it was difficult to move to a completely new area. And the state that I moved to was very different from the state that I was living in, and it was a real adjustment. I was also very shy as a kid. I had a lot of anxiety, so it was difficult for me to make friends. I did make a few close friends, but it took it took a while because I was I was very shy. Skipping to high school, that was the fall of 2019 for me. And the fall of 2019 was a very big time in my life because I was diagnosed with celiac disease. Woo! Anyone who has celiac disease, I feel your pain. It really sucks. I hated it. I was grateful that I was diagnosed. It was a long journey and a lot of doctors who were not supportive, not very great people along the way. But once I was diagnosed, my world definitely changed. So anyone who doesn't know what celiac disease is, celiac disease is a gastrointestinal disease where your stomach can't digest or break down gluten. And it sees gluten as almost like the enemy and your stomach will attack itself instead of digesting the gluten. Gluten is barley, rye, wheat, sometimes oats. It's in, if you think about like flour is has gluten, bread, p- most pastries, like pizza, a lot of things that that are like very, very commonly eaten, have a lot of gluten. And also things that aren't, like you wouldn't think that they have gluten. It's, celiac disease is tricky because gluten is in everything. Even if you think it doesn't belong there, it could still be there. And it's difficult to go from eating gluten every day to now having to check the ingredients of your skincare to make sure they don't have gluten and get rid of like soy sauce has gluten in it. Paper straws are made with gluten. It's in very random things that you wouldn't think of. And that makes it very, very difficult because if you, I I call it being glutened, when you get gluten, someone with celiac disease, it's like being glutened and the gluten has like found you and it is attacking you. But when you're glutened, my, like my stomach really hurts and I get super bloated it's overall just a very unpleasant time. But the road to being diagnosed with celiac disease, my body changed a lot because I was inflamed all the time. I was bloated and I didn't know why. And I had grown up with a lot of insecurities, a lot of body image issues, and having my body change, legitimately change from minute to minute based on what I ate was it was very difficult and it led to a lot of body dysmorphia especially after I was diagnosed with celiac disease and my body the inflammation started to calm down once I started a gluten-free diet it's it's difficult and if you're struggling with gastrointestinal issues or you've been diagnosed with celiac disease maybe you have IBS Crohn's lactose intolerant whatever it may be I see you and the struggle is real it really it really is being gluten-free is not all it's cracked up to be if you choose to be gluten-free just know I I think it takes a special person to choose to be gluten-free if you don't have to follow a gluten-free diet for celiac or other other issues but 
you're you have you're if you're choosing to be gluten-free that's that's i guess that's good for you i don't know i don't know anyway but being gluten-free is now a big part of my personality i make it part of my personality i'll go like oh it's because i'm gluten-free isn't it like blame all the problems on being gluten-free but that, that is how it goes Anyway, I'll, I'll probably make another episode about celiac disease and mental health because it's a real, there's a real connection between the brain and the gut and having gut issues can definitely mess with that connection. Your brain can interfere with your gut. Your gut can interfere with your brain. It's, it's a whole mess. If you don't have stomach issues, I applaud you for just existing. <laughs> But that was the that was my freshman year of high school, the very beginning. And well, as a high schooler, or really as just a human in general, I am a very high achiever, perfectionist, set very high standards for myself. And I also had terrible anxiety. Now, the high school that I went to was very competitive. It was absolutely ginormous. I think it was like like a quarter of a mile long or maybe like a third of a mile. It was super long. I swear it was the high school itself was ginormous. And I and the standards were really high and everything. The education was great, but I had so much anxiety and I would get panic attacks every day. I would have teachers look at me in class and they'd be like, like, are you okay? Like, are you sick? You look awful because of the amount of anxiety I had. And as a very high achiever, it made it so difficult for me because I was scared to participate in class, but also I knew the answers and I wanted to participate in class, but then I was afraid that my answers were wrong and but being being a high achiever, it's very, and a perfectionist, really a perfectionist too, it's difficult to have that social anxiety, just any general anxiety about school because you want to do the best that you can and you have, your brain is like debilitating you from really achieving what you think is possible. So it made it very hard to participate in class and also I was having trouble making friends and it was overall, it was just a difficult time for me. And the second half of my freshman year of high school was in 2020. And based on history, we all know what happened in 2020. That was COVID. Ah, COVID. So COVID hit and that just skyrocketed my anxiety. I was actually on spring break when the world shut down. I was in, I was on spring break in Clearwater, Florida. And I remember coming down to the lobby of the hotel one day and President Trump was on TV and he was saying like, the US is shutting down now. There's so much COVID. Like, don't go out, buy lots of toilet paper while you can. And my mom took my brother, sister and I to Publix and we got two shopping carts full of food and toilet paper because we knew when we got back to Texas that there would be nothing left on the shelves. And that's true. My mama's friend was sending her pictures of HEB, that's the grocery store, and there was there was nothing on the shelves. Her daughter could stand in the shelves because that's how big they were and they were empty. So COVID skyrocketed my anxiety. It was at an all-time high and I was so afraid to leave my house. I was so afraid of the germs. I was afraid of everything. I kept a COVID death tally at the top of my journal, which was not the most helpful thing because seeing seeing that number increase just oh my it made me so scared. And that's at that time, also, we were trying to sell our house because we were moving back to the East Coast and having people come in the house and look at the house, I it gave me so much anxiety. And moving during COVID was definitely, definitely made my anxiety very high. And then when I got back to the East Coast, there was the option to have in-person school or online school or a mixture of both. And at first I tried the in-person school, but my anxiety was so bad I couldn't deal with it. And I transferred to just online school. And my sophomore year of high school, I was completely online in new high school in the town that I had lived in before I moved to Texas. But 
I, it was high school now, so I had such a hard time making friends because I was online. I was so scared to leave my house. I was scared to talk to people. I had gotten over my fear of participating in class, though, and I feel like a lot of people at my high school thought I was very annoying because I was the girl, I was like Hermione Granger. I would raise my hand all the time, and teachers would have to tell me, like, Gretchen, we don't want you to answer the questions anymore. Like, we have to call on other people. So that's 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 who I was. And being online, it gave me more confidence in myself because I was in the comfort of my home and I had like the like a barrier between me and the school that was in my mind keeping me safe. However, when I was online, I wasn't really socializing with people and I definitely started to get more depressed because I was I was very isolated and that's when we got George, my little baby, my little therapy cat baby and he helped with that a lot. He helped with my anxiety, he helped with my depression, my loneliness, everything. And by the time the end of sophomore year came, I was starting to socialize with people more. I met a lot of cool, great people over the summer, and I entered in-person schooling again in the fall of my junior year of high school. My, I know everyone, so most people in America will say junior year is the worst year of high school. Like you have to deal with the SATs, ACTs, get the best grades that you can so that colleges can see it. But I personally, I loved my junior year of high school. I had such great teachers. I made, I met so many great people. I had, I had a friend that I would hang out with almost every day. I was in great clubs. I loved it. However, my depression was definitely very prominent and while I while I was a very like happy person, I I did struggle privately a lot with depression. And I also had a lot of anxiety and anyone who went to high school with me, I'm sorry if you thought I was like if you thought I was like rude or kind of like closed off or maybe I didn't want to talk to you. I'm sorry. That was that was most likely just my anxiety. I was probably afraid to talk to you. <laughs> I was afraid to talk to people uh, because I didn't know. I'd, it had been a year since I was interacting with other kids. So I was definitely, it was a learning curve to talk to people. But the end of my junior year was the best time and also the worst time. There was a lot going on with my family and personally, but at the same time, I got the opportunity to do a three-week study abroad in Germany. German is my favorite language. I started learning German in freshman year. It was German and American Sign Language that I started learning. And my new high school on the East Coast did not offer German or American Sign Language, so I took them at an online language school. And there I added on also Russian online and in in person in my actual physical high school, I also took Italian. So I was going with four languages at the time and I loved it. I absolutely loved learning the languages. My my brain was just wired for it and I was good at them. I could understand the grammar. I I didn't really get them mixed up. I had people say to me a lot like, "How how do you not get them mixed up?" And honestly, the ones that I think I mixed up the most were German and American sign language, which don't really make sense because American sign language it's you use your hands, you use your, you make facial expressions, you do gestures with your hands, you use your body language, and there's not any speaking involved. But in German, it's, it's all speaking and writing and grammar. So I'm not sure how I got them mixed up, but I would always think of the sign in American Sign Language was in German in my mind. And it, I'm just probably confusing you with, with trying to explain it. So I won't try and explain it. But anyway, the most important fact is that I went on a three-week study abroad in Germany, and I loved it. I stayed with a German host family. I'm still very close with my host sister. She's great. She lives in Australia right now. If she's listening, shout out to you. 
And I loved it. I loved being in Germany. I loved speaking German all the time. I met such great people on my study abroad. Um, we were such a tight-knit group, and I loved it. But my my mental health was definitely taking a toll. At the end of my junior year, I I started to have issues with my eating. Definitely some disordered eating was happening, and that was definitely amplified going to Germany having celiac disease. And although Europe is very good with celiac disease, and there are lots of gluten-free options in the grocery stores, but having a group of people where there will be planned outings and planned restaurants, and you're not sure if you can eat at the restaurants, it definitely made it more difficult for me especially if with the big changes, I think I was looking for something in my life to control, especially with what was happening back in America with my family. There was a lot of stuff going on. And I think I was just looking for something to control in my life. And when I got back to America in July, I I I did some house sitting for my friend's family, and I also stayed home with my dogs while my my actual family went to vacation at the beach in South Carolina, I think. And those two weeks were very isolating for me, and not having someone there, like, like watching over me and making sure that I ate all the time was it definitely fueled more of that eating disorder in me. And when I got to the fall of 2022, the start of my senior year, I was, I was deep in it and my depression was really starting to skyrocket. I use that word a lot. <laughs> skyrocket because of what was happening with my family and applying to colleges. I was taking a bunch of AP courses and I was very overwhelmed. I was the president of three clubs. I had a lot going on and my it was taking a toll on my mental health definitely i didn't hang out with friends as much as i should have i was so busy because i was such a high achiever and such a perfectionist i would spend so much of my time trying to do the most and do it the best and that is not always what has to be done what has to be done is what you can get done in the time that you have and the things that you're assigned to do, you can do them to the best of your ability. But that doesn't mean that you have to go above and beyond. You can, it's okay to look at an assignment and say, here's what I can do and here's what I will do. And if you can do all these great things and you have the mental capacity to go above what the assignment is asking, that's great. But if you don't, that's okay. It's okay to just look at the assignment and say, here's here's the list of things I need to do. I'm just going to check them off. And also, it's okay to talk to your teachers and ask for an extension if you need it. They definitely have the right to say no extension, but they also have the right to say yes extension. So just making sure that you understand that, yes, school is important, but school is not everything and your grades are not everything. Everything is going to work out at the end of the day, no matter if you got an A on that paper or if you got a C on that paper. At the end of the day, what matters is that you're taking care of your mental health. And that was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. When I was in, it was the fall of 2022 and I was back in therapy and I went to see my psychiatrist one day and he said to me, Gretchen, I think you have bipolar 2 disorder. And at that time I thought, oh, there's no way like someone else in my life had just recently been diagnosed with that. And I thought, oh, well, I can't have it. Like that's their thing. Like I can't take that away from them. And I think for me, the imposter syndrome is very real. And if you are the same way and if you feel like, I'll make an episode about this, but it's difficult to feel like you're not doing enough or you're not good enough to meet 
the, you're not sick enough to meet the criteria of whatever diagnosis you receive or you're not sick enough to receive the treatment that you're getting. That can be very dangerous. And I know that personally, it's it was very dangerous for me because I did not feel like I was sick enough ever, even when I was at my very lowest. And having someone to sit me down and say, no, you do have this, you are sick enough, was very important. So let me be that for you. Let me say, whatever you're going through right now, whether you've been going through it a few days or if you've been going through it for months, years, you deserve help. You deserve to get better. You deserve to live a life that you love. You deserve everything. You deserve the world. And you don't need to compare yourself to others. You don't need to look at someone else's journey and compare it to yours, making yourself feel like you're not enough. You are enough. Let me say that again. You are enough. No matter where you're at in life, you're enough. For me, it was a difficult senior year of high school. I I was definitely meeting the criteria of bipolar 2 disorder. Um, for anyone who doesn't know what bipolar is, um, there's two different types, levels, I don't know. There's bipolar 1 and there's bipolar 2. Bipolar is a mental illness that's marked by highs and lows in your mood and they jump from high to low all the time all the time. It can be random. It can be triggered by something, but it'll go from, in bipolar one, it's mania is the highest. In bipolar two, it's hypomania. And that's a period of very high energy, very productive, but not always productive in a good way. Sometimes productive with things that you didn't actually need to get done. For me, I would sometimes be very productive with my schoolwork. Other times I would just be running around the house or I would be cleaning my room in the middle of the night or I would be like <laughs> researching how to become a teacher in Germany without having to go to college. It's it's difficult because at those times when you're in it you feel like you feel like you're doing so much and it's difficult to recognize that you're in mania or hypomania if someone doesn't point it out to you. But the contrast to that is the low and that's the depression. And for me, I would have, I had a lot of what they call rapid cycling. And that means that I would go through that cycle of depression and hypomania multiple times a day, every week, and it can be very difficult, especially with the depression. It got very bad. That was the most prominent the depression got. I was very low. I was not doing well at all for months as well. I couldn't get the right medication. Some of the medications I was allergic to, some medications gave me really bad side effects. And I'll make another episode about the importance of medication. But for me, the depression was definitely the worst, and it was months and months and months, and I really was not living at all. I had such a hard time going to school. I had such a hard time focusing. I had to drop a bunch of my classes and really pare down the work that I could do. I really, I really was not able to do much work. My handwriting was affected by some of the medications, so it was difficult for me to physically do the work, and my brain was just not there. I was physically there. Actually, a lot of the time I was not physically there. But if I was, I was physically there and my mind was completely checked out. I just, I didn't, I wasn't able to do, I wasn't able to function. And after months of this, after being super low and getting, I was very suicidal for many months and there were many times where I feel I definitely should have been hospitalized. I definitely should have gone to a treatment center and I didn't. I waited until like the very last minute. I, like I said at the beginning of the episode, I went to the Eras tour and that was great, but I really don't remember the Eras tour very much because I, I was not 
my my brain was checked out. I was not there. That was the week before I was admitted to residential treatment and I was on spring break with my family and I just, I was not there. I was not living. I was alive, but I was not living. And in the end of April, I was flown out to California, the West Coast, about as far away as I could have been from my home. And I entered a month-long stay at a residential treatment center in Temecula, California. Shout out. Also, shout out to In-N-Out because In-N-Out is the greatest gluten-free fast food. Not everything is gluten-free, but their fries are gluten-free and you can get a burger on like protein style. That's on a lettuce wrap. Shameless plug for In-N-Out, <laughs> but In-N-Out is great. Anyway, so I was admitted for a month-long stay of residential treatment and I hated it. I hated being in residential so much. I called my mom every single day to come get me. I I really hated being there because I didn't want to be, this is going to be dark, but I didn't want to be alive. And being in residential was forcing me to challenge that thought and challenge the thought that I didn't want to be alive into, I want to build a life worth living. For anyone who's unsure of what I'm talking about, residential treatment, like, what is that? What is residential treatment? What is she talking about? Like, who even is she? So there are a few different types of treatment that you can get for your mental health that require you to not live at your house. Residential treatment is one of those treatment options where you live in a house, a facility that is not your own house. You go to this other place and you live there for however long you need to be there. Maybe you need to oops, maybe you need to be there for a week, maybe you're there for 3 months. I was there for 1 month and for my house it was just a house on a residential street in Temecula, California, but it was a mental health treatment center and you it's just a house you live in there's like a kitchen living room bedrooms and there are also it's it's staffed 24 7 there are people always watching you there's always someone with you and what you do there is you just work on your mental health whatever issue you may be dealing with you focus on that and you focus on trying to build a life worth living so you do that through, you attend therapy sessions, you attend groups, you learn coping skills, you learn how to, also you learn like just basic life skills, like how to live on your own, how to interact with other people, everything in between. You do activities with the other people there, like we had yoga, we did equestrian therapy, I think I think it was called, it, you see horses. Um, you can do outings. We went on little field trips on Sundays and Mondays to like planetaria to where else did we go? Oh, the botanical gardens, like just random places like that. And the goal is to just get you to a place where you can you can live comfortably basically and then once you're discharged you oftentimes go to an outpatient treatment and that's where you move back to wherever you were living before and you go like like a few times a week sometimes every day a week for just a few hours and you do similar stuff to residential but it's only for a few hours a day and then you go home at the end of the day for me, I hated being in residential, but I am so glad that I did it. It truly saved my life. It gave me a life back and I can really appreciate it now because I went from being like like not alive to just a completely different person. I was happy to be alive again. I was just happy person in general. My medication was fixed and it was great. But I had left high school to do that. High school was not over when I left. And when I went back to my home, I still needed to complete my courses. I was working on schoolwork while I was in California. But when I got back, I still needed, 
I still had courses that I needed to finish. So I was not able to do outpatient treatment. And I think that's was kind of a crucial mistake that I made. But I did, I finished high school. I finished pre-calc. That was, that was the biggest one. I'm not great at math. So that took, that took, that took a while, but I finished it. And I graduated high school. I was so happy and I was grateful for everything. But I wasn't really sure how to move forward. Like I was, I was happy, but it had been months. Like it had been a year of being so depressed and not wanting to live, not wanting to function that I wasn't really sure how to move forward with this newfound happiness. If you've ever experienced grief, maybe you've experienced a breakup, maybe you've, like me, you've gone from super depressed to now more happiness. It can be really difficult to feel like you deserve the happiness. You, For me, I felt almost guilty for feeling happy. And I felt like it was nice to feel happy, definitely. But I was scared the whole time that I was feeling happy that the happiness was just going to be fleeting, that I was going to lose the happiness like I had done many times before. And that made it really difficult to productively move forward with my life since I was so scared that everything was going to go back to the way it was. And also, anyone who's lived away from their home, whether you've gone off to college or maybe you were in the military or maybe you were in the hospital for a while or you were in a treatment center and you go back to your regular life in the environment that you used to be in with all of the same things, it can be really difficult to adjust after living in another place with a different routine for so long. And it was very difficult for me to adjust back to the life that I was in before, especially since I was adjusting back to it, but then just two months later going right into university. I so as I mentioned a few minutes ago or a while ago now, I was super stressed about applying to colleges at the beginning of my senior year, but I had applied to eight schools, I think, eight or nine, and I got into all of them. And there was one school that I had been wanting to go to for two years about now. And I got into that school got into the honors program. I was awarded a full scholarship and I was super excited to go. But on the night before I left, we had packed up the car, everything was ready to drive down. And I thought to myself, I'm not ready. I should take a gap year. This is too much, too fast. I hadn't done intense schooling in about a year because of my mental health. And I was worried for how I was going to react to it. But everything was already packed in the car. Everything was set up. I had my dorm. I had a roommate. I had a week long of freshman orientation. I had a separate orientation for my scholarship, honors college orientation. There was so much stuff going on. And we went. We drove down. I moved in early. Everything was going as planned and my week of orientation was great. I met some great people and then school started. Classes began and I was not loving it. There was there was definitely a learning curve. There was a lot of work, but the biggest adjustment was living at the university. I lived in honors housing, which was at the top of a very steep hill, very far away from the designated gluten-free eating station at the dining hall that was at the very bottom of the hill. And the dining hall that was in my building did not have a dedicated gluten-free station. It had like a gluten-free cubby where you could get gluten-free food that was like pre-packaged, like, like a grocery store like grocery store food, but there was no ready to eat like food prepared in a kitchen. There were at the dining hall, there was stations and it was labeled gluten-free, but nothing was certified gluten-free. 
And one of the crucial parts of having celiac disease is that you cannot have like your food cannot touch gluten. There can be no cross-contamination because cross-contamination will make you so sick. Cross-contamination is when the food is like cooked on the same stovetop where food with gluten on it was just cooked or the materials that used gluten food are the same to touch the gluten-free food or they're the utensils used to serve were the same touching gluten utensils. Anything that could add like gluten crumbs to gluten-free food. And I was getting so sick every time I went to the dining hall. I was doing, I had so much work to do. There were a lot of commitments and obligations with my scholarship. So it was difficult for me to hang out with friends. Also, I was I was kind of isolating myself, not going to lie. But what what was the worst was everything combined together made a perfect storm for my eating disorder to come in full force. It was like kicking and screaming like I'm here, I will not be silenced. And it would not be silenced. In fact, it was correct. It would not be silenced. And I lasted until the until midterm week of my freshman year, the first semester. With my scholarship, we took a few trips. We took one trip over Columbus Day, Indigenous Peoples Day weekend to Washington, D.C. And the trip itself was fine. It was great. We learned so much. But being in a place where there was not always gluten-free food, and there was like different environment. There was a nighttime plane ride. I'll maybe I'll make a video about traveling with bipolar, but everything together, it was it was awful. I was really struggling that weekend, and that was like the last straw for my mom. She was prepared to drive down to Washington D.C., which is not very close to where we live. So she was planning on driving the whole day and coming to get me. But I told her like, no, I'm gonna stay and. That weekend was very, very, very difficult for me. I'm lucky I survived. And we flew back to our university. And the very next day, my dad drove out, collected me, and brought me home. And that that was that. I I went home and I thought to myself, oh, it's going to be fine. I'll just eat my mom's cooking and I'll see my family and I'll be less homesick and I'll go right back to school in two weeks here we are four months later and and I'm still at home. It was not a quick fix. Anyone who has struggled with an eating disorder or currently has an eating disorder knows that treatment and recovery are very difficult and it is not fun at all. And it was the, this was the first time that I was truly doing specific eating disorder intensive treatment. I'm, that's what I'm doing currently with my life I'm on. I have a virtual eating disorder treatment every day. It's like an outpatient treatment, except it's virtual. And that, it, it sucks. Really, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It sucks. And I'm going to make more, more episodes about eating disorder and my story. But it sucks. That's what I'm doing. And it's not great. I do miss school. And I, so anyway, I had to take a medical withdrawal for the rest of that last semester. And then this semester, also a medical withdrawal. And that's created a lot of problems. The university doesn't really want to acknowledge that, but you know, it's, it's fine. It's fine. I'm working on it. Yeah. So that's where I'm at right now. Got a nice thriving eating disorder and but I mean my depression's kind of better so that's good (laughs) oh it's fine (laughs) it's fine but that's that's my that's most of my story that I feel like that's a lot of my story I covered mostly well I, I scratched the surface of a lot of things but I'll get more I'll share more experiences and more about my journey in different episodes where I go I take a closer look at specific topics. But that's just a general overview of who I am, how my story is going, where I'm at in life. Currently thriving and, well, currently surviving, not quite thriving, but that's fine. This podcast, maybe this podcast will thrive and then I'll flourish off of it. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. 
But I share these experiences because I hope that you can, well, I don't, I don't hope that you can relate to them because they suck. They were awful experiences, but maybe you can relate to them and that you can relate to me. That's, that's great. I mean, well, no, it's not great. I'm sorry for your loss, but I, I, I understand it. Yeah. I don't know. It's, <laughs> I hope that you can relate, but at the same time, I'm sorry that you had to go through it because it, it's not great. It's definitely not the most fun experiences in the world. Anyway, so this first episode was different from the other episodes that I'm going to make. The other episodes will choose a specific topic and experiences or specific advice that I want to give and just handle one thing. This was like just a general mush together of everything that was in my brain at this time. But other podcast episodes will definitely be more organized. They might be a little shorter, which I know is nice because this this episode is really long. So if you stuck with it until the end right now, major props to you. I am I'm so proud of you for taking time out of your day to do something for yourself. So that's that's great. I'm glad I'm glad that you could be here. We have one more segment to get through before the end of the podcast. I promise this is not going to take more than five minutes. Hopefully it won't take more than three minutes. But this last segment is called Closing Mindfulness. Ooh, Closing Mindfulness. I know everyone has their own opinion on mindfulness and it's not, it was not my most favorite when I started being mindful, but now I like being mindful, except it's definitely difficult to keep up with and there are a lot of times where I am not mindful. But now is not one of those times. Now I'm going to be mindful and you're going to be mindful with me. Yeah. So closing mindfulness, there are three different things and three different questions. And what I want you to do is I want you to just pause whatever you're doing and take some deep breaths with me. Just in through your nose, out through your mouth. So, okay. The first question that I want you to consider is what made you smile today? Maybe you're listening to this at the very beginning of your day and you've only had a few hours, or maybe this is the end of your day and you can reflect on everything you've done. But I want you to just think about what made you smile. Don't judge whatever comes to mind. Don't ruminate on it. Just think, what made you smile today? For me, what made me smile today was I sat outside. It's very sunny today and cold, but I sat outside with some tea and I drank my morning tea outside. That made me smile today because it's a nice day. Now, the next thing I want you to consider is what made you sad today? Now, again, don't judge whatever comes up. Don't ruminate on it. Don't let it affect your mood right now. Just simply think about what made you sad today. For me, what made me sad today was... Oh, what made me sad today? I guess what made me sad today was... I got up very early or early for me this morning to see my sister before she left for school today, but she was kind of in a bad mood and so I didn't really get to talk to her and that made me sad today. Just think about what, what made you sad today. And last is what made you hopeful today? So what gives you hope for the future or what gives you hope that something in your life will change or improve? For me, what made me hopeful today is doing this podcast episode for you all. I am hopeful that I reached someone. I am hopeful that I helped one of you. I am hopeful for wherever this podcast may go, that it may be helpful and that it may be exactly what someone needs to hear. Just considering these last three questions, happiness, sadness, and hope. These are just three things that are part of the human experience. None of them are bad. None of them are to be judged. They are just simply things that we experience. Being happy, being sad, being hopeful, it doesn't mean 
anything has to come of it. It doesn't mean you have to change how you're feeling right now. It's okay to just feel what you feel. And considering that, I want you to be just mindful of how you're feeling right now. How did those questions make you feel? Did they improve your mood? Did they make your mood worse? Maybe you didn't even do the questions. And that's also fine because not it's not always time to be mindful. I understand that. But I hope that those questions did allow you to stop for a moment and think about your day. And I am so grateful that you listened to this podcast. Thank you for sticking up until the end. I promise not all episodes are going to be this long. This is just the first one. So thank you for being here. And I hope that you continue to listen to these episodes. I hope that you can get something out of it. And I wish you the best day. I hope you have such a great day whether whether it's a happy day a sad day productive day a restful day i hope that your day is great and thanks for being here i hope you enjoyed uh, got to know me a little bit and i'll see you in the next episode thanks for being here bye